When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, this is the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast at iHeartRadio and Dan Patrick Podcast Network Production. I'm Joey Santos. And I'm Alan Nevins. And this week we are talking to my client, Dwayne Chapman. You likely know him as Dog the Bounty Hunter. We are so excited to have him on the show today. Let me tell you, we're going to talk about his story, we're going to talk about his show, and for all of you to get to know the man behind the Bounty Hunter. And we're extremely excited because we've got some major bombs that he dropped on us, (laughs) some super exclusives, so let's grab a drink and dive in. We're back. Joey, let's quickly tell them what the cocktail is. Well, um, he... He doesn't drink, and so I came up with, uh, it's called, it's a dog-eat-dog world. So I made a Mai Tai, um, because he's spent so much time in Hawaii, Hawaii, et cetera, and I thought if he was going to have a drink, that would be the one he'd have. And the great part about it is you don't have to add alcohol to it, so you can have it as a virgin Mai Tai, and it's still delicious. And um, so, yeah, and that recipe will be on our website, so you can make one for yourself. Well, as you know, this is I've been excited to do this because I've now known him and I knew Beth, of course, for 15 years, right, is what we've decided. Yeah, about 16. And I traveled with them. I've lived with them. I knew their ins and outs. I financed with them. I did everything with them. And, uh, you know, and I was there at the, the end for Beth. And, uh, and of course, once she was gone, I stayed close to Dwayne. And uh, I knew he would need the support. And so this has been an exciting day for us to have this interview. I haven't seen him since Christmas two years ago. And uh, we've talked. We talk almost three, four times a week or text at least. But I haven't seen him or we're going to see him on video today. Yeah. And, you know, if you only know him by his image, really, he's such an open, honest, straightforward guy. I mean, shooting from the hip, but really genuine. And, you know, there's no... There's nothing that you you can't have any preconceptions, or if you have them, they'll be washed away once you listen to him. He's that exciting and he's that straightforward. I really he appreciate is, and it. he's very really empathetic him. for other people. He is very much so. He he, you know, if we would go on trips and he'd see somebody who's down and out, and he would just feel so badly for them and want to do something. He feels people's pain, mm-hmm. and he wants to help. And uh, and cries at the drop of a hat. Yeah. And, you know, and I told him, I, I said, the world's a better. And as, after this interview, I mean, I, I came to that decision that the world is a much better place with him in it. It truly is. And there were times where he almost wasn't able to be a part of the world. because. Right. And he'll tell you the story himself. So you got to tune in for this one. So we're going to make this quick, our front end here, because we did a long interview with him. Yeah, and we, we're did. Not we don't want really, you to miss anything. Yeah, we don't want to cut anything. So um, quickly... What happened to you today? Oh, I mean, people are crazy. Oh, you're no, just but no, I mean, no, but I mean, really crazy. <laughs> and in a different world, maybe it would not have been considered crazy. Maybe it would have been considered flattering. And I guess it was flattering. I was driving up today to meet you, and I was on Sunset and Laurel Canyon, and I there was a guy 
that was crossing the street. Right. I mean, and a really good looking guy. He looked like he had been running. He had a shirt off, shorts, great body, really bright smile. And he came up to my car in the window and he said, hey, where are you headed? And I was like, oh, excuse me? He said, well, can I get in? Maybe you want to, can I go for a ride with you? And I said, uh, thank you very much, but I'm, I'm actually happily married. And he said, yeah, but he's not going to know. Nobody will know. I said, I'll know. I said, and, I, and then I thought to myself, thank you for the compliment. I drove off. And then as I'm driving up here, I said to myself, you know, I, I'm so not that guy. And I know so many people would have been like, well, cop in. You know, I don't know. I'll be late. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't even show cheat. You know what I mean? Because, and you know what show cheat is. Like, I won't even watch a show without Andrew because we record all these shows that we watch together, our guilty pleasure shows. And and every time he's out of town, he always says, uh, you know, what did you watch? And, I, and, I, and I, he said, did you watch any of the shows? I said, I don't even show cheat. I won't even go to the recording and watch it without you until you get home. So can you imagine this big hunk? All ripped, muscly, with a bright smile. Couldn't be more than 32. I thought you were going to tell me that you'd ran into Will running <laughs> no. down the street. <laughs> well, speaking <laughs> well, of said running. This guy because Will ran well, out the door just as, right before you came. Yeah, I saw came. him on my way up oh. the hill. Yeah, that was just ironic, too. <laughs> but anyway, it was funny because Will runs like five miles a day. This is Alan's partner. And he runs five miles a day. And, and Alan is up in the canyon. So, I mean, that's a, not only is it enough to get down the canyon, but running back up in this 112 degree heat every day. So I, my hat's off to him. But he was running past my house two days ago. And, and he was like, oh, my God, thank God you're home. Thank God you're home. I was just pulling in my driveway. I said, what's the matter? What happened? He said, I have to go to the bathroom so badly. I have to go so badly. I said, well, I took the keys. I threw them. I said, go, go. He said, I was dying. He said, I, he said, I knew I wouldn't make it up back to the house. I even tried to call Alan to come pick me up. And Alan said, I'm on a work call. Go pee in the bushes. Or go shit yourself, you know, whatever the thing was. <laughs> I didn't actually say that. I just said, I'm on a Zoom call. Tone, Alan, tone. It was a tone. I said, I'm on a Zoom call because I was whispering to him on the side. I was literally on the call and I muted my mic to take him because I thought, why is he calling me? And I said, I can't come get you. I'm on this Zoom meeting. And he was like, damn. Anyway, anyway I, I was the savior of that day. His bladder will thank me. Well, that's fun. All right. Well, we're going to cut it short because we're very excited to get into uh, our interview with Dog the Bounty Hunter. Absolutely. When we're back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're back. And joining the conversation today, we have Dwayne Chapman, known to most people as Dog the Bounty Hunter. Welcome, Dwayne. Welcome, Dog. <laughs> oh, thank you, sir. Alan, what's up, guys? Well, thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Yay, podcast. So, Dwayne, uh, you're not aware probably, but every week Joey fashions up a cocktail for the guest. And while I know you don't drink 99% of the time. Oh, yeah. You, you can add liquor or not is what he's trying to say. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it's delicious either way. So for you, 
Uh, and I think if you did drink, maybe a Mai Tai would be a good one, especially with all the time you spend in Hawaii. Uh-huh. So I made a Mai Tai, a traditional Mai Tai. The recipe will be on our website. But I'm calling it the Dog Eat Dog World. So oh, after nice. you live in a Dog Eat Dog World and... At the end of the day, you need a Mai Tai just to shake it off. So this is for you, and it's named Thank after you. you. You're welcome. Cheers. So, Dwayne, we want to do a quick history here. I haven't seen you since Christmas of, it must have been 2019. Yes. When I was in Colorado visiting my sister and I came to see you. So it's been a while. We've it's talked a lot, but we haven't, yeah, yeah, I haven't seen you in person. And... I wanted to talk a little bit about how we met because people are always like, now, how do you know him? <laughs> how do you know Alan Nevins? Isn't that, isn't that Goldie Hawn's manager? Yeah. How the heck did you ever meet someone like Alan's is Alan is the most sophisticated human being that I know. He is. No. And he only he knows three me, people. Uh, sure. He has taught me how to be sophisticated and believe me in the beginning how many years have we known each other 12 15 well it was it was we met the night you and beth did the jay leno show and then you drove over to the four seasons to meet me uh and that was between season three and season four of your show so 2005 right around there wow Wow. it's a lot 2005 (laughs) No, was it that long ago? Yeah, 2005, we did Jay Leto. We did Jay Leto a few few times, though. But so anyway, I uh, have got my sophistication. I wasn't always as sophisticated as I am now. (laughs) And I I got a lot of that from Alan. You owe it all to Alan. You may not remember, but they came over to the hotel to meet me. I was sitting there waiting. And Beth and I actually hit it off pretty well. We were sitting together and laughing and having a good time, and she's very outgoing. You never sat down. You stayed standing up, Uh, and you didn't have a lot to say, and you kind of gave me a little bit of an evil eye. Like, who is this guy? Why are we talking to him? Because you're so handsome, and you're, like, staring at my old lady. What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Little did you know. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because later, if you remember, I don't know if you recall, we went to New York and I think we were staying at the uh, Mandarin Oriental once and we ordered in dinner and you and Beth kind of cornered me and wanted to ask me all sorts of questions about gays and the gay lifestyle. Do you remember that? I Listen, I knew about <laughs> it, but she was so inquisitive. Because <laughs> she, she, I guess, had never known anyone that was gay and she... Wanted to know the how do you know when the other person is and who who gets this position and that position yeah and who's the girl and the guy and exactly these like, are the I questions was, she was very already, confused she was uh very inquisitive about that yes right. but and I think you were both a little cautious but within years they had warmed up you had learned you had by the way I don't think you really had many gay friends or any she didn't know any. And I kept saying, well, you know, I said, you have them. You just don't know you have them. Right. No, that is true. Back then, 15 years ago, to say that was a bad thing. So no one, unless you were uh, flamboyantly gay, which you're not, you would, you'd never know. So I did have a lot of gay friends that, you know, I had a gay little buddy who was across street. We were seven and eight years old. 
And of course I was raised Pentecostal, right? So yeah. every, his name was Richard Gollins. And every other Wednesday night in the Pentecostal world back then was the night that you went to the prayer room. And if you had a demon in you, well, they uh, <laughs> exercised. No, exercised it, right? Yeah. So uh, Richard told him like an idiot that he felt gay. And so every other Wednesday, they would rebuke <laughs> the gay demon out of Richard. <laughs> so no, this is a true story. And so he'd come out and I'd say, is it gone? He'd go, nope. <laughs> so I, I went to my mom and I said, you know, this ain't working. Richard is uh, still Deal. gay every time. And she goes, well, it might not be a demon with Richard. <laughs> I said, okay. But later on, 11 years old, uh, Richard, my little buddy, hung himself in the in his office uh, bunk in his bed. He lived right across the street from me in oh, Denver. Shit. And, of course, I knew why. Because, you know, he felt so bad about that. And uh, I just said, Richard, if you ever try to kiss me, you'll draw back a nub. But I don't care <laughs> what you do in the private, you know, whatever you do. And, of yeah. course, he wasn't even holding hands or doing anything like that. He was just talking about it. He was a so kid. I, yeah, a I, I know that in all different, uh, whether, you know, one of my children are gay, one of my best friends, Alan Nevins, is gay. So I know in every uh, thing in life, there's a bad and a good. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, there's terrible heterosexuals. They're called rapists. There's terrible uh, gay people. I don't know what they call them. I'm so, yeah, I'm half Apache. So. I'm so Bruce Jenner was one of my heroes. I was a little young kid and he ran around there and he won. And my first wife, Leland and Dwayne Lee's mom, LaFonda had a crush on him. And so I called her the other day, said, how's your Brucey now, baby? <laughs> but then I started studying. Okay. Because in Hawaii, they are called Mahus. Wow. And in the, in the island culture, in certain countries, if the medicine man says you're going to have a girl and you have a boy, then he is bound. He is called uh, uh, a Charlie boy mm -hmm. and his feet are bound like Chinese. Right. And they <laughs> raise them as a girl. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so, oh yeah. Weird. So. Yeah, and so uh, they never, they have no idea that that's their custom. Right. So I, because of that, years ago, again, my friend committed suicide. His name was Polia. And I went through the uh, transition where he got his breast fixed. He got his weenie cut off. He went through all that stuff. And, and I went through that, you know, asking. He was my friend. I love the guy. And he ended up killing himself, too, in the jail. And because people made fun of him so bad, fun but him, yeah. what, what I saw, I looked, we are uh, animalistic as Alan once told me, mm -hmm. I think he said, we're one molecule away from an ape. <laughs> I don't think I put it. I think DNA or, I think... or several beers away from it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I study in the animal kingdom, of course, God, it sounds like made animals first. So according to Genesis, so, in the animal kingdom, we're we're all related, right? And so I started studying uh, in the animal kingdom why people flip sex sexes, 
a grouper is a female on the bottom of the ocean when they're born. And as they rise to the top, they turn into a male. There's a frog that does it. There's an eel that does it. Becomes a male or a female back and forth. And the reason is survival. That if they don't change, their species is over. So, (laughs) no, but I'm saying there's something, usually when that happens, I think it's Ron Paul or uh, the black gay guy I see on Good Morning America. RuPaul. RuPaul. His his he was raised pentecostal uh-huh. and the mother his mother had the gift of prophecy and all that right right well she did not know that his uncle was raping him from 12 years old to 17 wow and so today he's like i think because of survival strangely enough you answered our next question without even us asking i was going to ask you about your faith and how you divide your faith and your friendship with gays and lesbians but you and beth listen over the years you guys changed a lot i remember the first time i went to new york and beth got mad she goes we don't know how to hail a cab throw us in the middle of the city the first time we don't know what we're doing (laughs) didn't you teach them you just put your leg out (laughs) it wasn't her leg that she put out (laughs) yeah it wasn't her leg (laughs) okay i got that one (laughs) yeah it wasn't her legs um do you want to discuss beth for a minute I don't care. Absolutely. Okay. Two years. I, uh, Beth was, I had her since she was 18 as 20, almost 30 years. We were together. Beth, wow. the last three years, she got cancer. She was meaner than a rattlesnake. She was mean. <laughs> she was meaner than a cobra until she got cancer. Then she went rattlesnake. <laughs> she was she very upset. <laughs> yeah, no, she got worse. She was very upset because she was in her fifties and was dying. And why, you know, she just got really, really, really mean. And uh, it was tough the last couple of years. And I, you know, I told her I'm going to say this because she did not want to die. They had to kill Beth. They had to overdose her and take her life because the doctor told me I've never seen nothing like it. And they gave her. Oh, she would not go. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the cancer was eating up. Uh, it entered her liver and her lungs and her heart was at 40%. And the doctor said to my face, I've already given her enough, some drug that would kill two human beings. Wow. And they took the ventilator out of her mouth because her mother was here and all the kids. So we took like a family vote and the mom goes, it's up to you. And she was just miserable with that ventilator in her throat. And they said, we're going to take it out. And she'll have to breathe on her own where she can't. So she had five or 10 minutes, she'll pass away. And I said, well, I don't want her like going into a convulsion and trying to struggle for air. Right. They said, oh, no. Five and a half hours later, they said, dog, she's not going to go with you in the room. Wow. And so the mom, all of us, every one of us had to leave. And three hours later, the doctor called and said she's passed away. And then he goes, the nurse is like, dog, she's gone, they say. And I go, all right. And she goes, no, hold on. She's not. Wow. And so, yeah, so I'm holding on, put my pants on. And knowing she, you think she's gone. And uh, like five minutes went by and the nurse got back on the phone and she goes, Okay, the, for this time, the doctor's pronouncing her gone. 
So even at the last, she was a fighter. She fought, you know, really, really, really hard. Mm. My faith, as the Bible says, as your faith is, so be it. And it also says that the hardest part of your body to control is not the boto, but the tongue. So what you say is what you get. And I would say, Beth, you don't have cancer. It's not going to kill you. And she would tell everybody, I've got four stage cancer and I don't need to show you my driver's license, cop. In a year, <laughs> I'll be dead and you don't got to worry about it. So Beth confessed that she had it all the time. You know, she uh, she wouldn't just say, I don't have it. And, it, you know, it's kind of like the Tony Robbins way and that all these new motivators that write these top successful books every one of them what you say is what you get right. well that was written way back in the bible if you say something it shall be done so our uh whether we're christian faith or you know tony robbins kind of guru faith what you say means means a lot to what's going on in the world uh i had so many people i was convicted of a terrible charge in the 70s in texas and uh, they told me, you can't even get a driver's license. You're never going to get an apartment. When they asked me, are you convicted of felony? I write, we'll discuss. I ain't going to say yes, because I ain't going to get an apartment even. <laughs> so I, I had to say out loud, I want to be on television. I want to be loved. I want to love people. I want people to think I'm cool as hell. And I want to meet everybody and love on everybody. And I'm going to do it no matter what. Oh, there's no other felons on television for that kind of charge. Uh, Nancy Dubuque at A&E got me in a room one time and she said, listen, you've went from ex-con to icon, young man, all because of your words. That's right. So I, I know that, you know, you can't say weeds be gone and they're gone in the garden. But you got to watch what you say. And as I, not that you guys are as old as me, but as we get older, you know, Uncle Bill says, so yeah, I'm going to die of cancer probably. Yeah, well, he did. Well, he did. <laughs> I, yeah. So I think what we say in a lot has a lot to do with supernaturally and in, in a common way. No, I believe that. It's, that's a very spiritual outlook and everything, and everything, I, I believe, um, that everything you want, everything you desire, you already have. You just have to find the path to see it, to get to it. But it's already there. So it's the obstacles you must move out of your way. But having the intention of what that is, is what you have to keep in your, in your frontal lobe and go after it. Because it's, you, you, you have it already. You possess it already. We were born with all of those blessings. You know? right. So now we have to recognize them, appreciate them, pay them forward, and go after them. So I believe in that philosophy. I do too. And a lot, like I say, Tony Robbins does, I know him good, does believe is a, I guess, a Christ Christian. Uh, Dwayne, you want to clear up a few things for us? Sure. Are you married now? I will getting married. I'm going to drop the bomb on your show. <laughs> I'll probably get, I'll probably get in trouble. I'm getting <laughs> married and you're invited. Yay! Wow. And we went to the venue, picked it out yesterday, looked at it. Man, it costs a lot to get married. My God. <laughs> Almost more than getting divorced. Oh, yeah. Amen. That's true. Uh, but yes, yeah, so September, 
Francie's husband passed away over three years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Beth passed away over two years ago. And, uh, you know, I, I felt very bad about even wanting to have someone else after Beth. And then when I went to, again, the Bible in Genesis and found out how Adam got Eve, as I was going to find the exact story, I saw the scripture that says God's, God does not want a man to be alone, that he knows we need a companion, whether mm-hmm. we're man or woman. So anyway, yes, September 2nd, Alan. Wow. Oh, congratulations. Well, that's, that's great. Fantastic. Thank you Yes, I did much. get the that's invite, great. but I didn't advertise it. <laughs> um, but let, can we go back a minute? Will you explain the proposal to Moon on television, your friend Moon? Well, everyone was talking, you know, Moon was never, ever going to be a girlfriend, this and that. Moon was uh, Beth's assistant, good friend, this and that. But I never paid my bills. Beth paid everything, allegedly. And when I come <laughs> to find out, she didn't pay a quarter of what she owed. But uh, So I used Moon to get me through those days. And everybody was like, you know, you're going to marry Moon. It's too early. So I had a chance. Dr. Oz didn't know I was going to do it. He about had a heart attack. And so I thought I already planned it in the bathroom right before I went on the show. And I said, I am three million. I didn't know he had three million plus viewers. I said, I'm going to do it right here. I'm going to ask her to marry me right on national TV. And I know she's going to say no. And that'll stop (laughs) the rumor. So uh, Dr. Oz has a producer named Charles and him and I are good friends. And, He's a big old kid. And when we went to commercial after I asked her, Dr. Oz goes, oh, my God. I go, Dr. Oz, Charles made me do that. I didn't want to. <laughs> so uh, but that's why I did it. Larry King said, you're the only one that I've ever seen ever admit something. And by God, you did it. Uh-huh. And I admitted it. And, you know, so I was taught by Larry King many times. I was on his show, probably 10 and during the commercials and before and at dinner at night, he would train me. He would, ta- you know, tell me how to be and what. To- and always he said, say it like it is. Mm-hmm. Watch how you say it so you don't make anybody commit suicide. Right. You know, which Beth could do, by the way, make him <laughs> commit suicide. But uh, uh, he would say, before you tear him down. Be sure that you put them back together, together better than they were when you started. Yep. So those guys like that with with uh, and not just because of Alan's there and his sophistication. Uh, <laughs> when I did when I got in trouble with the N word, they said, you're going to get drunk and go out with the black girl. Get caught. I go, oh, really? Uh, oh, you're going to go to Fiji at Tony Robbins Island and stay there for a couple years everything goes away (laughs) oh no they hired spin experts they called them back then and they had all these ideas and i think alan you were there yeah i was there as i went on larry king to admit it the representative from a and e was in the hotel room he said if you walk out that door and go on set you're fired and i said well i'm going on there sir and he goes well you're fired Wow. So I went on Larry King and I admitted that I said it and that it, of course, didn't mean what it meant to a lot of other people. It meant a slang word. Yeah. And Larry King then did a surprise and he said, 
we, it was an hour segment. And he goes, dog, what we've done is we've set up a, uh, people can vote and call in 1-800, blah, blah, blah. Should we give dog another chance? And I went, oh my God. And commercial. And I said, Larry, what the hell are you doing to me? You don't worry. You've got fans. You're telling the truth. By God, just hang in there. Okay, dog. And then you come back on. He's like, now, if you think dog deserves another chance and he's not really a racist, I want you to call in and leave. So the whole show, I was panicking. You could see these <laughs> green lights going on behind me. Ding, 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 ding. I'm listening to the guy at A&E say, you're fired. I was scared the worst that I've ever been, right? Yeah. So at the last, he goes, okay, we've got the tally, dog. Do you like to see what it was? And I go, yeah. Well, 85% of the people say that you deserve another chance. And I know that you arrested probably 10% of the others. And the other 5% are racist anyway. And, and you know what happened? Now, I didn't know he's going to do all this, right? I walked back in the hotel room. The A&E representative came back. And he said, dog, you got your job back. Wow. And within minutes, minutes, but it wasn't even an hour. It was live, Larry King. Yeah. I was at the London in L.A. And so was the A&E guy. He just walked down from the ninth to the seventh floor, said you're hired again. That was incredible. My drink's getting low. So we'll be right back. Uh, we want to share something with you. As, okay. All right, we're going to share with everybody. We've talked a little bit about it on the podcast. But, of course, both of my dogs came from the dog. Oh, yes. Yeah. First, it was Murphy, of course, who we took in and loved and was one of the best dogs I ever had. And we had to put him down a year ago, I think tomorrow. Oh. And, and of course. buried him in the backyard. He's in the buried in the backyard. And uh, and sitting next to me while we do this podcast, because she will not leave my side from the moment that Murphy died, is Babe. My favorite. Oh. And she's literally sitting right next to me. And no. she, uh, in fact, here. She's my favorite. I love Babe. She right oh, here, yeah, the little thing. Girl. Yeah, she is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hi, Babe. Look who that is, Babe. Oh, who is that Hi, in babe. there? In the little box. That was your former, your former daddy. <laughs> but because we were having you on, we tracked down the show in season six or seven, I forget now, uh, where you arrested the guy and Babe's there. And we're going to put that video up on uh, Facebook and some others so yeah, you can you see. Can see we've it. edited it all together so you can see how we got Babe and with Beth holding her and saving her. And it's oh. so cute because she's walking up to the house in Colorado and she, she can barely get up the steps. She's so small. <laughs> well, you know, they had her in a birdcage. Yeah. She was abused, right? Oh, they put her in a birdcage. That's horrifying. Oh. She she had never, it doesn't show that in the show? No, because when you break in the door, she's out. She's there. She's scared and she's standing there. So, but yeah, I remember when she saw you, she loved you right away. And she loved Calvin too. So 
Well, the funny thing is when we were playing the video, no, you, sh- you know, can't get the animal to look at the... She used to watch TV when I first got her. She would watch animals on the TV, but she stopped doing that. And I can't get her to look at people on you know, the video screen or anything. But right. we started playing that clip on the computer, and she stood there and watched that video clip of her and Beth on that show. It was hysterical. Oh. She wouldn't turn away. Uh-huh. Well, I sure, I so, sure believe that. So animals cute. go to heaven. There. Oh yeah, and it's uh, kind of scriptural, you know. The one thing that we skipped over that I'd like to go back to is some of our listeners don't know about your conviction and your jail time and how you became Dog the Bounty Hunter. You want to go over that in just a thumbnail sort of sketch of that time? I was a Devil's Disciple motorcycle gang. Uh, member, I was the sergeant of arms of a outlaw motorcycle gang that is still to this day one of the most notorious street gangs, outlaw biker gangs in America nationwide. So me and three brothers, club members, and a sister club member went over to buy some pot from a guy in Pampa, Texas in September of seventy. And my one brother got out of the car, walked inside. And what none of us knew is that he had a sawed off shotgun stuck in his jacket. And as he went in the house to Jerry's house, the victim, he said, I want to buy an ounce. I think it was 300 bucks back then. And Jerry's wife brought out this laundry bag full of pot. And Donnie was is his name said, Oh my God, I'm not going to buy. Look at that. And he whipped the shotgun out and said, I'm taking all your dope. And Jerry grabbed the shotgun and pulled it and it went off and hit him in the shoulder. So we're out in the car. We hear this boom, right? Donnie comes running out. The shotgun blew up in his hand. So his hands all bloody. We thought, you know, Jerry had shot Donnie. So on the way to the hospital, he told me I hit him in the shoulder. So I said, drop me off at my house. I made a phone call to 911 and a princess phone. You used to hang on the wall and they yeah. hang up. Yeah. Mine didn't hang up. So I was telling LaFonda, Leland's mom, the story that the stupid Donnie went over there, pull a gun on Jerry. And of course, 911 recorded everything. <laughs> oh, Lord. So I ride over there on my chopper and Jerry's coming out on a stretcher, the victim. And he says to officer love who just passed away, my good friend for many, many years, a cop that arrested me and uh, he died of COVID Alan. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. In, mm. in, uh, in Pampa, Texas. So anyway, uh, officer love, he, Jerry says it was a devil disciples. And I'm standing right there watching him on the stretcher. And Officer Love says, was it dog? He's right here. And he goes, it wasn't dog. It was his brothers. And so in the middle of the night, Jerry died. They drove him from Pampa to Amarillo, 50 miles, and just hit him in the shoulder. But he passed. So in the morning, uh, as I woke up, I worked for the oil fields. I was like 21. And I heard on the radio dog disciple is being sought for the shotgun slaying massacre of Jerry Oliver 36 last night 
in Pampa, Texas. And I went, oh my God, he died. So went to jail, did a, made a bail, all of us. We all were convicted. In the state of Texas in 1976, if you were there and didn't call the police, you were guilty. Mm-hmm. You know how your mom, you know how your grandma used to say, if you watched him steal the candy bar, you're just as guilty. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now today, it's not, it wouldn't even be an accessory charge. There wouldn't, it may be not reporting an accident. I, what I did, I called 911. There wouldn't be nothing. Right. So, but back then, we were long haired bikers and it was redneck and still is Texas in the uh, West Texas. And so I got a five year uh, and one day sentence to hard labor in the Texas Department of Corrections. So I was in there, an inmate tried to escape, and I ran him down because he was my friend. And his, he lost his auntie or something. And he ran, and I, Bigfoot was his name. I tackled him because they were going to kill him. And the lieutenant ran up behind me and threw down the handcuffs and said, Hook him up, bounty hunter. And all of a sudden, I went. The only bounty hunter I knew was Steve McQueen on Wanted, Dead or Alive. Right. And that show and The Long Ranger, I loved The Lone Ranger and Wanted, Dead or Alive. So the only reference I had of a bounty hunter was a bad guy mm-hmm. turned into a good guy and kept getting better and better. So uh, uh, I told the warden why I was in there. One day I was cutting his hair and he goes, what? Tell me the whole story. So I did. And the next morning, all the guards came. It's called the goon squad and threw me in the hole for lying to the warden. And I told him the exact truth what happened. So I stood one day in the hole. The warden brought me out of the hole and he said, I just talked to your sheriff, Ruth Jordan, about your charge. And I said, yes, sir, warden. By God, dog, he told me the same story you told me. Mm-hmm. And he said, before the cock, I'm going to cry. Before the cock crows three times, dog, Chapman, you're getting the hell out of this penitentiary because, boy, you don't deserve to be here. But God had to straighten your ass up, that sheriff said, and you needed a big shaking. And you take that shaking and you go out there and you make something of yourself, son. Wow. And, Feb- and February the 6th, <clears throat> four days after my birthday, the warden tried to do it on my birthday, 1979. They opened them gates of Texas and said, here's $200. Good luck, boy. Well, man, that's a story. Bravo. Yeah, that's Thank a story. You. That's Thank great. You. Man, you put a tear in my eye with that one, too. I got to tell oh, you. Sorry. I heard it. Like, no, heard no. It so Thank you for times, sharing that. And it makes me, it's, it's really a beautiful story. It makes my eyes well up every time I've heard you tell it. Wow. Well, and I wrote, you know, we did a Alan, because Alan, we hit number one on the New York Times bestseller. I'll never forget when he walked in the room and said, sit down. I go, what? He goes, you just hit number one. I go, what does that mean? <laughs> he goes, that means your book goes on sale for half all across the world. <laughs> yeah, we went on a six-week book tour together. And Dog and Beth in the back seat, me driving, and Calvin is the pilot, the co-pilot. And we drove across the country for six weeks promoting that book. Wow, that's great. I just told Francie that was one of the greatest times I've ever had meeting people. We had 25, 75. 
We had 4,500 people at, remember, 4,500 people at Walmart in St. Louis. And they wasn't even a pin left on the shelves because all those people, if they didn't want it, they still bought it at Walmart. They wiped the Walmart out. But it's so it's three, four hours in line. Well, I wrote the book with Laura Morton, but I she used my vocabulary. So it only took about four or five hours to read the whole dang thing. (laughs) And people would stand in line and have already read the book. Right, by the time they got for the signature. Yeah, most of the women that did it, and they would be bawling. Yeah. Oh, my God, I love you, dog. I'd never seen anything like it. We showed up, and the parking lot, part of the parking lot had been roped off, and like Disneyland, it was back and forth, back and forth. And I said, oh, my God, they've got everybody standing out in the parking lot. Then when we got inside and got him set up, I walked the line, and the line went along the front wall all the way back to the back wall of Walmart, all the way along the other back wall. Wow. Went out the door, yeah. out the back door into their storage area. Then it came forward to the line that we saw in front. And I came in there. I said, you have no idea how long this line is. The manager told us some of the people slept there. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And we stayed until 2 a.m. It was a 7 p.m. Uh, signing. And we stayed till 2 a.m. because Dwayne said, these people have waited all night. I can't just walk away because mm-hmm. the time's up. I was signing, holding my the pen. I put the dog or dog the bounty hunter. I could barely put D-O-G. <laughs> I couldn't sign. Yeah. And Alan's like, go take a break, have a cigarette. Smoke a joint if you like and get get back in here. You can't. These people have been sitting here six and a half hours. And finally, after the last one, at times I would have quit if Alan wouldn't have been there because I'm by myself, no one one to influence me. And it always seemed like one of the last ones was this little tiny girl or something. I've been sitting here for seven hours, Uncle Dog. And you feel so good. I, Alan, I love that. Yeah. I love the interaction with the people. And I get some discernment. I asked the Lord, that's the gift I wanted. So many times I'll be like a husband and wife walk up and I'd say, why are you hitting her every night? And she'd go, I told you he would know when he met you. I told you that. And I was like, right, Alan? Yeah. I was like telling are you a judge? How would you know that? Your show is my guilty pleasure. <laughs> Do you remember that night when we drove away, they gave us a police escort? Remember all these people after the signing had hung out to try to talk to him further or see him when we were leaving. And Beth, they they loved Beth too. And there was all these people waiting outside and we didn't want them to know where we were staying. And the cop came over and he said, we're going to give you two cars. Just stay with them. We told them where we were going, and they said, we're going to take you down. The, we'll get you on the highway and get you going down the highway and just stick with the cars in front of you. And remember that? I was driving, and they yeah. were going 80 miles an hour, and we were flying onto that freeway That's and fun. down that yeah, thing. That. And Beth's in the back, stay with them, stay with them. <laughs> <laughs> People would follow us to, uh, you know, like get in their car and follow us to the next city, four-hour, yeah. five-hour drive. Wow. A lot of families did it for a week or so. Yeah, we'd get to the next place and there they'd be again. That's with speaking too. So when we we did a lot of speaking together, which I'm going to start doing again, by the way. But 
That's why I had to change my speech each time. You got to switch it up. Yeah. 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 So, but I think my more than I hate watching myself on television. I uh, like to be known wherever I'm at and liked, but I think my greatest thing about being famous and I, I am, so I'm going to admit it is interaction with people. My good friend, red lives in Colorado. We were, my longest friend of my life. We knew each other when we were nine years old. So uh, last year, a newspaper went to red and said, you've known dog the longest of any man alive since he's gotten famous. Has he changed? And red said, you know what? Since we were nine years old, he's been famous in his own mind. Mm-hmm. All these years, he ain't changed a bit. So again, again, the expecting that you're going to get it, the talking about you're going to get it, and the faith, I guess, Alan, right? You call that, Mm -hmm. that you're going to get it, makes you get it, if that makes sense, right? It does. It does. It's also, you know, in spirituality, too, you know, they say that people don't, we don't change. We either become closer to our authentic self or, or we're farther away. And I think in your case, you got closer to your authentic self. So what you achieved was because you're, you, you are, that's who you are, that successful thank person. You. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'll tell you something, the world's a better place with you in it. So thank you for sharing some of this time with us. We really appreciate thank it. You, thank we you, Thank you, so appreciate the time. All right. Aloha, you guys. Thank Aloha. You. Thank you thank so you, much. Dwayne. So that was your first time meeting Dwayne. Yes. I, I call him Dog. I call him, him Dwayne. I really do. He was great. And uh, I almost, I, I wish that I could have met Beth. I know I would have liked her. Oh, you would have gotten along with her. Yeah, I would have. For minute one. Minute two, you would have hated each other. Minute and then we go three, back you would have liked each yeah. other. <laughs> As Dwayne knows, it's no surprise, she and I had a, <laughs> it was a, it was a love hate. It was, it was, she was um, tough and complicated and Mercurial, I think, is the good word. Right. But, yeah, that was great. So we thank you all for coming and listening and for tuning in each week. Please share the podcast. This is a good one to share. Dog the Bounty Hunter, the show has aired all over the world, so your friends are going to want to hear this one, so share it. Yep, and if you're interested in sending us a question, please do. And uh, tell us how much you love us, how much you love the show, how you're going to share it with everyone you know. And everyone you will meet in the future. <laughs> Listen, seriously, feel free to send us a message anytime on social media or email. And that is at contact at twoguysfromhollywood.com. And we will talk at you soon. Two Guys from Hollywood is hosted, created, and produced by Alan Nubbins and Joey Santos. Produced by Lauren Boone. Edited by Marissa Ewing. Music by Luca. Executive produced by Dan Patrick. It is also executive produced by Paul Anderson and Nick Pinello for Workhouse Media. This podcast is a production of Renaissance Literary and Talent and Dan Patrick Productions in association with Workhouse Media. Two Guys from Hollywood is a production of iHeartRadio and the Dan Patrick Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.